Welcome to the Free From Binge Eating Podcast with me, Breed, your host. Binge eating sucks. Trust me, I know. I was stuck in that spiral of binge, restrict, diet, yo-yoing weight loss, feeling guilty and ashamed, and hating my body for 10 years. Now that I'm out, I'm turning my pain into purpose by helping you stop binging, start loving your body, self, and life again. It's time to live free from binge eating. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome, friends, to this episode. I can't wait to dive in because you've got an amazing guest on board. It's Victoria Evans. She's a science-based intuitive eating coach, so lots of good information coming your way. Can't wait to get started. Before we hop in, before I share more on Victoria, I want to give a shout out to all the gals who signed up to BBE, the group coaching that just started this week. So excited for you guys. So impressed and proud of you for investing in your long-term future, your health, your well-being, your life. Bloody awesome. And on that note, I actually know that a lot of you wanted to get into BBE, uh, but for whatever reason, you couldn't. And I just want to remind you that even though BBE won't be happening probably until 2022 again, there's always the 30-day reboot as another alternative, another choice to kickstart your healing, to learn all the tools you need to get the help, to get out of that binge eating, that binge diet cycle. It's just really, let's face it, it's just ruining your life, right? So that's definitely there for you. It's in the show notes. If you want to check it out, get started. Lots of women are on board. We've got a Facebook group with all the women who are doing it. So you're definitely not alone in that journey. And it's very similar content-wise to BBE, just it's self-paced. It's kind of a DIY kind of thing. So just a reminder that you have that there as an option. Now, back to Victoria Evans. This episode is going to blow your mind. We're going to go into her eating disorder journey, which was pretty crazy. It's pretty unique. Um, We'll go into COVID weight gain, the notorious, you know, quarantine 15, whatever bullshit name that the diet industry has given it. Uh, We're going to go into radical self-love, what that can look like, and the science based approach to healing. So Victoria's going to go into a bunch of tips, really explicitly like sharing what you can start to do to get on that path towards healing out of the binge diet cycle. So a little bit of background on Victoria. She actually began her career in the corporate world in a Fortune 500 company in Montreal. During this time, her challenges related to eating disorders, mental health, extreme dieting, and overexercising became a catalyst for her to create a solution to an issue that so many women, millions of women across the world, deal with today. So she's an intuitive eating coach, and she really takes this fundamentally science-based approach and then builds from there. She's got tons of good tips to help you optimize your mindset um, for that happy, healthy life that you want. So let's just hop on in. Let's hear from Victoria herself in three, two, one. Welcome, Victoria, to the show. I'm so excited to have you on board because I think I'm going to learn so much from you in this conversation, and I think everyone else will. So happy to have you here. Maybe just introduce yourself briefly a bit before we jump in. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Um, So my name is Victoria Evans. Um, I'm a science-based intuitive eating coach. And basically that means that I take a very science-based approach to intuitive eating. Um, So 
I really struggled with the idea of intuitive eating um, because I felt like I was coming from such extreme restriction that going from that all of a sudden a bit of a free for all was what it felt like. I thought I was just going to eat everything. And this idea of, you know, it's the restriction that's causing the binging. I couldn't quite always lock that in. Um, so for me, when I did a lot more digging into the science, understanding how my brain worked around certain foods, I felt really empowered. And so that's how I moved through my eating disorder recovery. And then that's what I teach today. Interesting. I can't wait to jump in just because even like my, um, my journey out of recovery wasn't based on science. It all kind of bit by bit came together. So I'm interested to hear more on that. But first, mm-hmm. let's jump into a bit of quick fire just to loosen things up. Easy questions. Here we go. So I know this, but I think it's interesting for people to know. Where do you live? Well, I'm Canadian, but I currently am talking to you from Bali, Indonesia. And what is your favorite mm-hmm. hobby? Ooh, I really love CrossFit. That's probably my biggest thing right now. I feel so strong and empowered and there's just an amazing community of people. There's no mirrors. It's not about what you look like. It's about how you perform and it's about getting bigger and stronger, not um, trying to shrink myself away. So yeah. That's awesome. I've yet to try it, but actually I feel like maybe I should because funny side story, but I did this DNA test recently and it tells you like the type of exercise you should do and your risk of all these different things. And it was super, super interesting. And one thing was I have low endurance, but I'm like high power, high strength. So I'm like, hmm, maybe I should get into something like CrossFit. Yes, please come join the community. It's fantabulous. I love it. Yes. <laughs> also sounds awesome. Like no mirrors, just focusing mm-hmm. on being in your body. Yeah, exactly. So cool. Um, how about how you like to unwind? Well, recently, actually, I just got a Theragun, which is like a massage gun. So my new favorite thing I do at night is I listen to an audiobook and I have a candle lit and then you just lie in bed and use my massage gun. And it's like my most favorite thing. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> That's so cool. I think I know what they look like. Like it's, it moves yeah. really fast, like kind of like mm-hmm. hits your muscles a bit, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, Oh, it feels so good. And it's so relaxing. It's like just a little massage, but you don't have to put any effort into it. Yeah. (laughs) I want that. Massage is not my favorite thing. So I feel like, yeah, that's amazing. Mm The last question, your favorite type, actually, you kind of answered this. I was going to say favorite type of movement. So I guess you, it's CrossFit. (laughs) I mean, that's my, that's a really great pastime for me. I would say my favorite type of movement though is dancing. Like I love to dance and it can be, whether it be, you know, I'm like shaking my butt because I think that's just hilarious and fun. Or if I'm doing more like kind of interpretive, more kind of really in the music, like I love dancing and I think people need to do more of it. It is so cool. Did you, have you ever done dancing in like a choreographed group or is it all just like freestyle? Go flow? I mean, I did ballet till I was like eight, but I did not fit into that world. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I have very broad shoulders. I've always been really muscular. I'm five foot 10. And like, I was just, I stuck out like a sore thumb. And same thing, I did figure skating when I was younger. And I remember always getting like last of the competitions because I didn't look like any other girls with my body right. type. So very early on, I associated those kind of sports where it was based off appearance. I was like, this is not the kind of sport that I would excel in. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, dance for me is just recently in years has been a way to connect to my body that I love without any kind of judgment. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay. Quick fire done. Now I would love to hear from you about what your eating disorder journey was like up until the point where you were like, where you became an intuitive eating coach. 
Yeah. Such a journey. It's funny when you reflect on it and the more you reflect on it, you see how many pieces come together and you're like, oh, of course I had to do a story in the end, you know, like it all, you know, made itself together. It all kind of built itself up to have this kind of eating disorder that it became. And so, um, yeah, basically I struggled with my weight my entire life. Um, as I mentioned, I'm five foot 10. So I think I was, I swear I was five foot 10 for like the age of five, <laughs> uh, which meant that I was, I felt like I always stuck out. I never fit in, you know, at recess, all the older girls would want to play with the, my friends who were like cute and little. And I remember just always thinking if I was skinny and little and cute, people would love me and I'd be accepted and I'd fit in. Um, and that kind of theme moved through into, you know, whether it be dance or figure skating or different places in my life. And this theme was like, if I just lose weight, then I'll be happy. And then as I started with my mental health when I was 12, 13, um, till, you know, into my 20s, it was, if I just lose weight, then I'll be happy. Then my mm -hmm. life will start. And it just became this really ingrained core theme. But at the same time, food was also safety for me. Food was what helped me feel good when I did feel like I couldn't connect to the people around me, when I felt like I wasn't lovable and I wasn't enough. So it was such a love-hate relationship with it where I thought the answer to happiness was being small, but I was in such pain in that moment that food was the only thing that could make me feel better is what it felt like. So I struggled with my weight into university and I'd always been very active. I played volleyball um, in university. And then once I finished university, I was basically eating as if I was playing volleyball six hours a day, but I was sitting mm -hmm. at a corporate job. Yeah. Um, and so that quite didn't quite work out. Um, and so I was sitting at this corporate job. It was um, like very vogue. It was uh, one of the top beauty companies in the world, Fortune 500 company in Montreal. And I was sitting there and I had no one was talking to me. And again, this whole theme of like, if I just lose weight, then I'll fit in, then I'll be loved. And so went on Instagram. I found the influencer with the best abs, millions of followers. And I bought her, you know, weight loss guaranteed programs, a 12 week weight loss program. And I went all in. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is my moment. This is where I'm going to shine. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to have friends. And so I started it and I was dizzy and I felt awful. And I messaged her and I was like, you know, I don't think this is enough calories for me. Like it was like 1100, 1200 calories. You have me working out hours a day. Wow. So like, no, no, like your stomach's shrinking. Like this is normal. Drink more black oh, coffee, gosh. intermittent fast. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like red warning bells, you know, red flags went off my yeah. head. But at the same time, I was like blindly trusting this person who has millions of followers is a bikini competitor. I was like, well, she must know what she's doing. Wow. So yeah, I just continued on. It kept, you know, I kept going at it so intensely because I thought this was a solution to all my problems. Um, and then I, so I was submitting my before and after pictures and I was plastered all over her social media. Mm -hmm. Look at Victoria. She's killing it on my program. I was getting all this feedback, all this attention. I felt like I was finally kind of fitting in for the first yeah. time in my life while I was also so miserable, so empty, so disconnected. So it was this really weird kind of push pull of like, I feel like I'm fitting in, but I also hate my life and I'm more depressed yeah. than ever. So super confusing. <laughs> um, and so then that continued on and eventually that turned into binging. So I was depriving myself so much calorically, you know, I'd lost my period, my hair was falling out. I was like an absolute disaster. Um, and then I would no eat basically nothing all day get home from work and I would just go on these massive binges. When I say massive binges, 
because I was struggling with bulimia as well, because I couldn't imagine the weight coming on my body, it would be hundreds and hundreds of dollars of food, like not mm. even a kid, because as soon as the food was in my stomach, I was throwing it up. So I had like Uber Eats on rotation coming up the stairs. They were passing each other in the hallway in my apartment in Montreal. And I was telling them like, I remember there I was ordering in the food and I had a studio apartment and my bed was like around the corner and they would be bringing me my food and I'd be pretending that I was calling to someone else. Like my boyfriend was like, I didn't know it was there. I was like, oh yeah, they're bringing the pizza now. Like I would just be like pretending I was talking to someone. So it made it seem like it wasn't just me. <laughs> all the oh, man. So I was doing that and then I would purge everything because I was so definitely afraid of any weight gain. Mm -hmm. um, and then one morning, I think I'd went to bed at like maybe 2 a.m., woke up starving. I'd had an extra handful of trail mix. I kind of stumbled out of my bed into the kitchen, had an extra handful of trail mix. And I was just like, what, what is wrong with me? Like, I'm disgusting. I'm broken. And it basically turned into me going on a 30 kilometer run and mm -hmm. just burn that off um i've and, done that before <laughs> oh Same. those like punishment workouts are just like nothing else like the self-flagellation is unreal yeah um and so there i was standing at the top of mount royal in montreal 30 kilometers later the sun was rising and i'm like oh, i can't do this anymore like i'm so unhappy it's this earth-shattering moment of like there's never going to be enough weight loss that i'm going to be happy i'm never going to lose enough weight that i'm going to fit in and feel loved and it was really scary because it felt like this loss of identity and kind of shattering everything I ever knew. And so had that moment and basically ran down the hill and called eating disorder hotline. And that was kind of that first step into recovery. So that was a very long-winded answer to kind of get to, but it's hard to explain eating disorder journey because there's just so many things that come for sure. into it, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Thanks for sharing. That was it's like, like, it's an interesting, good story. I was like, oh my God, this is thrilling. Like listening to you say it because there were so many parts. I was like, oh my God. But yeah, I mean, you can see even before we jumped into this question and you were talking about, you know, the ice skating and the, um, the ballet. Yeah. Already I was like, okay, there we go. Like the seeds are being planted at that young age of the, yeah, the whole if I can just be skinny, I'm going to fit in and be loved and accepted. And I think so many people can relate to that. Yeah. It's, it's so strong. It just, I don't know why, but it really takes hold of you at such mm -hmm. a young age or in your teens. And then it's just everything unravels, but mm -hmm. yeah, I just, I've wrote so many notes when you shared that story. Cause I was like, <laughs> oh my God, there's so much to go back to the, the um the before after thing with the Instagram oh, influencer yeah. that's a story that's oh. a story I can imagine all the like compliments must have been rolling in reaffirming your belief mm -hmm. like oh yeah I was right yeah and it those little compliments like those little moments gave me this little burst of energy this little nudge to continue on this really toxic disordered path because I was literally void of energy. Like I had nothing in me. And so every time someone was like, Hey, you look amazing. How'd you do it? Or, Oh my God, you look incredible. It just, just gave me a little bit, just kind of gave my eating disorder a little bit more energy to continue yeah. pushing on. And so I always tell people like, do not praise people's bodies. Like you could be praising the eating disorder. You could be praising an illness. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, when I was gaining weight and I was becoming healthier and someone was like, oh, you've put on weight. 
like it, it broke my heart, you know, mm-hmm. maybe someone's recovering. And so we just don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And when we're praising bodies as well, it reduces people to their body. Yeah. Right. And what if you, you know, you did lose weight, maybe it was intentional, but then what happens when there's a pandemic and you gain that weight back? Then how do you feel if everyone is always complimenting you on weight loss, all of a sudden you've gained weight, you're probably going to be ashamed, embarrassed. You don't want to go out. It's just, it just doesn't work out well. We just need to stop praising bodies. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I've definitely felt that myself too, because when I stopped binging, um, I lost weight unintentionally just because I wasn't binging anymore. Mm-hmm. And like never before the compliments came rolling in, especially from guys, all this validation. And it was just like further affirming that belief I had all this time. And I was like, and for me as well, during COVID, I gained a bit of weight, like nothing massive, but enough to make me have those creeping thoughts come in like, oh, what are they gonna think? Like, are people, am I not gonna get the comments anymore? What's my boyfriend, what's my boyfriend gonna think? Just, it, yeah. We've just got to stop reducing people to their bodies and putting the focus on the body. There's so much else to be focusing mm-hmm. on about people. It's crazy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that story about the Uber Eats on rotation, I bet everyone <laughs> is like, yeah, me too. Like I can relate. When you shouted oh, out God. around the corner to the fake boyfriend, I, I didn't do that, but I thought of doing it a million times. Cause I was like, I just can't like, it's the same guy every oh. time. He must think I'm a pig. Like that's supposed to be the living in Montreal was I had a different person coming every single time. And you know, I, they'd be coming in, putting food down and be like, Oh, they're going to love this for later. Like my eating disorder was a the, like the manipulation, the lying, even when I'd go home and visit my mom, I remember even telling her, I'm like in the morning, being like, make sure that when you go to bed tonight, you tell me to go to bed with you. Like, don't, I'm going to tell you that I'm okay. And then I'm just going to sit here and watch TV and I'm going to be mm-hmm. lying to you. And I need you to tell me to go up and go to my room. And she would be like, Toria, you said, I'm like, no, no, it's fine, mom. Like, don't worry about it. And then I'd go and binge. Like yes. you, it really feels like you are a different person. It, it feels sometimes like you are almost like a drug addict in some yes. ways, because I remember being like, I felt like, completely so even if I was like to my mom you know later I'm going to turn into a different person because it sounds like me and it looks like me and I'm so good at lying about these behaviors and being sneaky I've I was able to just kind of manipulate everyone around me and oh man just a exhausting horrible way to live so true that that just flooded back a few memories for me when I would stay with my mom over holidays similar thing like I would be dying for her to go to bed I but I wouldn't tell her like it's smart what you said I wouldn't even tell her that I would just I would just stay up she would go to bed at 11 I'd be dying for her to go to bed and I'd be exhausted but I just still force myself to stay up to have my chance to binge or like dying for her to leave the house and then quickly run to the shops while she's away and I even remember one time I stayed with my sister she was on exchange in Sydney in Australia I was in her dorm room she left to go meet a friend and I was like oh my god finally she's away it's my moment. Can, yeah. <laughs> it's my moment and I got in the lift and she happened to forget something and she was coming as I got out of the lift door she was coming back in with her friend and she's like I was like I panicked I must have been so flustered in that moment I can't even remember what I said I was like oh um yeah, yeah just getting something and yeah. she and her friend were like what is wrong with this guy yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh it's so odd I poured like 
my poor dog too. Like I would just like, I'd finish off a thing of like cookies or whatever. And I was home visiting my mom. And then I'd be like, oh, Myers ate it. Like I would put like peanut butter, like on the empty box so that he would like rip it up. Oh, it was advanced stuff that I was doing. Advanced, definitely. Oh my God. Like we can laugh about now at the time. I was like, wow, this is really sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, I would... Um... I would fear anyone obviously seeing the food wrappers. Oh, so yeah. I would stick them in my handbag or in a plastic bag mm. in my handbag, heading out to work, just like quickly like slide the plastic bag into the bin, into a public bin. Yes. <laughs> Praying no one, oh. I'm like looking around, like making sure there's no one seeing me put this chunk of stuff in the bin. <laughs> Girl, I would literally have this like plastic bag and I'd like put it inside this like Lululemon shopping bag. And then I would just like drive to like a Walmart and then I would just like casually like park beside it, like in the darkness, like it was like a drug deal. (laughs) Oh my God. What? Oh man. That is hilarious. It is crazy. But now you're clearly in a much better place. You're an intuitive eating coach, science-based. So maybe let's dive into that. What exactly is that? And why do you think that's the key to achieving our potential? Yeah, so kind of going a little back to my story of called the eating disorder hotline after I ran down that hill and I started going to psychologists, counselors, getting treatment for bulimia and anorexia and binge eating, all these things. Um, And basically a lot of it was just rooted in my past. A lot of it was, you know, childhood stuff, you know, eat like you love yourself, write a letter to your eating disorder. And at this point I was so beyond, I was, again, like I, I was a version of myself. I didn't have a lot of compassion for myself. I didn't like myself, even though I'd never been thinner. I I was more so depressed and anxious. And so they're telling me all these things about emotions and loving myself. And I just could not get to that place to even start Mm -hmm. to do the work. And I actually started to get worse because I would be going to these sessions, bringing up all this emotion and then not having the ability or feeling like I had the ability to use food to cope. I didn't have any kind of tools at my disposal. So I was like, go speak about all these things, these traumas, these painful things, and then just be on your way. And I felt so raw. And I was like, I don't know what to do with myself right now. Like, I don't have any way to kind of self-soothe. So what happened was I started doing a ton of research into how my own brain worked, my own biology. So, you know, why do I feel like a different person when I start eating really delicious sugary foods? Oh, I'm having a dopamine surge. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter for the anticipation of reward. When I'm doing that, it actually inhibits my prefrontal cortex, front part of my brain, which is, uh, you know, future thinking, rational thinking, impulse control, all these things. So it's taking a freeze ray, freeze ray to kind of like the rational part of my brain. That's why it feels like I'm a different person. I have two parts mm-hmm. of my brain competing with each other. So all of a sudden, like these like little things like this are, you know, why yeah. I want to fit in. Our brain is driven by oxytocin, the feeling of bonding and connection. You know, millions of thousands of years ago when we were in tribes and we, you know, if we basically didn't assimilate, look like everyone around us, you know, act like everyone around us, we'd get kicked out of the tribe. We would die. We would not have our genes carried forward to today. So as a human species, we're driven to assimilate. And so for me, my brain was so driven by this need to fit in. So like all these kind of little things um, allowed me to basically develop this coaching program that at the time I didn't know that's what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was all these different tools and techniques grounded in the science, grounded in this true understanding of my own body. And from there, I was like, wow, 
I'm actually really progressing really quickly and really like well through recovery in a way that I had no idea was even possible. And I started to share my journey on social media. People started messaging me. They're like, hey, how are you doing this? Like you're sharing your story. You're talking about all the science stuff, which we've never heard of. Tell us more. And so basically what happened was this kind of program that I'd created that saved my own life, I started to teach other women. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm a science-based intuitive eating coach and I work with women who are very like high achievers, logical, rational, people who are a little bit less, I would say kind of the woo-woo, like spiritual, mm-hmm. but are really grounded in the science. And again, I think that the recovery path or be intuitive eating, you know, food freedom, whatever you want to look at it as, it has to work for you. So for me, very science-based, other people can be more emotions. Um, I ground in the science, then I move into the limiting beliefs and the emotions and really make it holistic. But for me, I have to have that foundation of science. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I love that. Yeah, I feel like you've got to find the way that suits you. Like if you're totally science-based, woo-woo is just going to go right over your head. And actually it really um, oh, yeah. stood out to me where you said, when you're going to all the therapy and talking about all the childhood stuff and you'd go home and not be able to cope. I was kind of in a similar place. Um, I was going to therapy, but it was for depression at the time during my binging. And after every single therapy session, I would rush home to binge because I'd unleashed like so many emotions and I had no way to regulate my emotions back then. I didn't know how, something that we strangely are never taught, even though it's like such a fundamental human skill. Um, But yeah, Mm -hmm. that's interesting. And the tribal part, when I learned about that as well, I was just like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. No wonder- so much sense. Always obsessed about being liked and fitting in and caring about what other people think of us. Yeah, super interesting. Yeah, I think it's, it's so empowering to look at it from that perspective and kind of going back to what you're saying about the emotions. What I always say with clients, I work a lot on like emotional intelligence, emotional processing Mm -hmm. on a more of a biological level, like how to move through that. Um, But what I would say is that when when we remove food as a coping mechanism, it's like going through emotional surgery without food as an anesthetic. Mm. And it's like, it friggin' hurts. (laughs) It's Mm. painful because we've never been taught how to sit with that pain, that emotion. Um, And so we're so quick, whether it be with food or drugs or alcohol or Netflix or scrolling on our phone, all these ways that we can distract ourselves and numb ourselves out, which can be this like a little short-term fix and, you know, can be a band-aid fix in the moment, but it can't be our only way to actually move through life because they're not really living, you know? Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's similar to me with my clients. Some of the very first things we do is learn how to deal with these emotions so then further down the line when we start trying to work on your binging or deeper shit you don't suddenly all that anxiety doesn't get kicked up and you panic yeah you actually like know how to deal with it absolutely yeah it's so so important and also really empowering when you know you can feel like any emotion and you're going to be okay it's like what can't I do now right yes yes so true it's just we it's so conditioned in us to see the majority of these human emotions is like quote unquote bad and we just you feel like they control you you have no idea how to deal with them and it just takes over your day and you ruminate on it and yeah I think I swear like this needs to be taught in school to kids like I don't know why I can find the third angle of a triangle but I don't know how to process emotion or do taxes you know like so I think there's just a whole <laughs> curriculum change we need to make there what is that Pythagorean theorem yeah I'm like why do I know that and that's <laughs> not, hilarious. not any other useful life skill 
<laughs> so true. Before we go on, I just wanted to jump in and let you know about something that could really, really help you out. So if you've been loving these episodes and all of the tips and it's been super helpful, but you just need a bit more structure and direction, then check out my 30 day reboot course. It's an online course, so you can literally start today. 30 days of content. So each day you get new content in written form, video form or audio, just to keep it nice and fresh. The content is exactly the same as what I go through in one-to-ones. So it's amazing value for money. You get some lovely audio meditations along the way as well. And we have a Facebook group, so you know you're not alone. There are plenty of others in there. So if you are sick of waiting around and want your life back, you're so ready to kick binge eating out of your life and return to that relaxed, confident, happy version of you that you know is in there deep down inside, then this course is literally made for you. And best of all, it's just the price of a trip to Zara or Topshop, but it is worth so much more than that. It's eye-opening and life-changing, as one past alumni put it. So if that sounds good to you, head over to my website to sign up today or just scroll down to the show notes. I'll pop a link in there too. All right, let's get back into today's episode. Okay, so science-based intuitive eating, can you share then some of your top actionable tools that you Mm. think people can start practicing uh, to get on board with intuitive eating? Yeah, so one of my favorite tools is one that I created and it's called Crowding Out. Um, so basically what I like to do is if you have a food that is like a binge food, a fear food, whatever that is. So let's, for example, say it's chocolate. What we want to do is take that chocolate, put it on a plate. So maybe that's a couple of squares, a whole bar, whatever it looks like. Um, then you take a food that you feel really safe around. Maybe that is apples or bananas or carrots or whatever. And what you want to do is like fill that whole plate up with all those safe foods. So the first thing this kind of looks like, it's almost like we are taking something that you think about like negative on the number line, like something that you fear, the chocolate, with something positive, which is like the carrots or the apples or whatever. When you put them together in our brain, it really neutralizes it. Instead of it being like scary and then good, it's kind of like, actually, we're going to just kind of mix that up and make Mm -hmm. it more of a neutral thing in our brain. But then what we want to do is just start to eat them, like start to eat them, enjoy them, savor them. Um, And so what we're doing there as well is we're giving ourselves that permission to eat it while also feeling a bit more safe because we're eating it with the food that we feel safe. Mm -hmm. Additionally, what it does is because we're eating a higher volume of food, by the time that we are finishing off that food, it's the food is going to feel like we're going to be more satiated, like our stomach is going to be more full and we're going to be less likely to continue, want to continue on binging on that food or eating a higher volume of that food. Um, Another thing is that when you're finishing the food, I always suggest that you set a timer. So I'd say 12, 15 minutes. What you tell yourself is when the timer goes off, I'm going to go get more of this food. Mm -hmm. Why do we do this? Well, basically, when you start having a high sugar, high calorie, delicious food, again, going back to what I said before, you're going to have a dopamine surge. Dopamine is that anticipation of reward. So when we're eating the food um, and we're finished the food, our brain often wants to have more of that food. So we have one cookie and then we want to have two and three and four. It's a dopamine. Um, and so when we set that timer and tell ourselves when the timer goes off, I'm allowed to have more. It's kind of telling that part of our brain, hey, you can have more reward. We're just going to delay it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, by the time that timer goes off, 
that dopamine will have wound down. You've gotten out of that kind of emotional part of your brain back into the prefrontal cortex, which is impulse control, rational thinking, future thinking, and you'll be able to actually decide, do I want more? If the answer is yes, absolutely go get more. If the answer is no, then amazing. Um, and as well, by that point, like I mentioned before, the food will hit your stomach, you'll feel a bit more satiated, mm -hmm. and you decide if you can actually want more or not. So that's like a really little simple tool that I love to use called crowding out. Um, just to kind of neutralize food, get us more in the habit of eating it, having that familiarity, um, as well as having the timer set so we can have that dopamine surge wind down. So, yeah. Awesome tips. I love it. When you're talking about crowding out, mm -hmm. it reminded me actually that I, I've done it unintentionally, like not knowing the term or so, but one of my biggest binge foods was peanut butter. And I, over the past like three years, I basically have a fruit smoothie bowl with granola and peanut butter on top every day. And all the fruits in the smoothie are totally safe foods. I feel chill about them. And the granola actually too was a binge food too. So I have two X binge foods in a safety zone, like in a crowded out way every single day. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. Cause it just it loses its novelty when we have it yeah. regularly. And it's like, if I always have permission to have it as well as something I recommend is if you can do the crowding out technique in the morning um, mm -hmm. versus late mm -hmm. evening, just cause the part of your brain, that part of your brain, your prefrontal cortex fatigues, like it's like a muscle. Right. Um, and so do it in the morning um, or earlier in the day. Um, and then basically when you're eating that food and it doesn't necessarily turn into like a binge or a huge emotional feeding, we start to build more confidence and more trust with ourselves that we can have that food because our brain works off of evidence to know whether or not it's safe to do something. If I've had that food once, the chocolate once in the morning, maybe twice, and it was okay, then I'm more likely to feel okay doing it again in the future. So it just kind of has this positive spiral effect of like, hey, it was safe, it was okay, we can do that again. Hell yeah. I feel like ultimately we just need to work to build, rebuild our self-trust and that sense of safety around those kinds of foods. Like we've Absolutely. just spent, spent years feeling unsafe and untrusting around them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really what intuitive eating so much of it is. It's just relearning how to trust ourselves again. Yeah. After we've been sold this idea that we can't trust our own body and that's total lies. <laughs> total lies. <laughs> okay, switching gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. Obviously in COVID, lockdown a lot of people have struggled with weight gain and are struggling with being able to feel confident in themselves and you know the worries about oh when I go back to work when people see me again what are they gonna think so what kind of advice do you have on dealing with that yeah so it's such a common theme that is coming up right now and so anyone feeling this way know that first of all you're not alone it's okay to feel like that we live in a society where well, oftentimes, you know, a lot of emphasis is put on our body. That doesn't mean that it's true or it's right, um, but it does happen a lot. So feeling that way is, is totally normal. Um, so again, going back to what I was saying about our brain is so, it knows what is safe based off of what is familiar to it, what it's exposed to. And so the first thing I like to do is do a social media curation. So mm -hmm. curate your social media feed. So that means adding in a bunch of women um, of with bodies your size or larger or a feature that is exaggerated of one that you don't like about yourself. So for example, I used to really hate the cellulite on my legs. I didn't wear shorts in public from age 12 to 22 because wow. I was like, oh my God, I'm disgusting. And so adding in a lot of women who are cellulite positive 
all of a sudden my brain was like, Hey, I can actually be happy with cellulite on my legs. Mm -hmm. I can actually enjoy my life. Look at all these amazing women who are just living their lives like this. And so by seeing that and kind of giving myself that confidence to know that other people can live that way, it started to give me more confidence that I know I could show up in the world with cellulite on my legs and still thrive and be amazing. Um, so I would go through a social media account, do a Mary Kondo. Does this bring me joy? Does mm -hmm. it not? get rid of the ones that don't um, and being really intentional like about the fact that are you just trying to keep this account on because you think it's inspiring you to live a better life when in reality it's actually making you feel like you're inadequate and you're less than because that's often it's just going to lead to shame feelings of shame which is going to lead to self-soothing behaviors so be really honest with yourself when you're going through social media accounts uh, who is actually serving you and who is making you feel like less than mm. so That'd be a first tip. Um, the second tip I would say would be to get clothes that actually fit you. Yes. I think so many of us, we hold on to things because we spent a lot of money on it or it's one of our favorites. We don't fit it anymore. And it just sits in the back of our closet, just staring at us, judging mm -hmm. us, making us feel horrible. Or, you know, we do put on our clothes and we feel like we're just being, you know, or feel like uncomfortable and we just feel like so squished into it. And that's not empowering whatsoever. And so I invite you to go through your closet, get rid of all the things that don't fit you, donate them. If you even have some friends who, you know, are different body sizes than you, maybe you guys do a clothes swap um, or, you know, maybe yeah, you just go to online or whatever it looks like for you, but getting clothes that fit you, game changer to start to love your body. And do we have time for one more tip? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. Um, so another thing that I would suggest you do is expose yourself to yourself, meaning that a lot of the time we don't like what we're seeing in the mirror because we aren't used to seeing that in the mirror. Um, and so it's not that it's bad. It's just that it's not familiar to us. So I invite you, and this will be scary, <laughs> but go put on like your favorite sexy outfit. Maybe that's lingerie. Maybe that's like high heels and jeans, whatever, red lipstick, be a total, you know, badass babe and do a little photo shoot of yourself. And at first you can be like, I might hate all these photos, but just keep taking photos, keep looking at them because you just need to see your body and expose yourself to yourself to find a sense of familiarity. And through that, you're going to find a sense of safety. Mm -hmm. And so otherwise I find people will, you know, their weight has changed. Someone takes a picture of them. They go down a negative spiral, not because that their body is bad. It's just, they haven't seen themselves with anything but looking in their one mirror at home, holding that one camera in a certain way. Um, so it's just familiarizing yourself with yourself. And then last, last thing, you are so much more than your body. Yes. Like, holy cannoli. <laughs> and if that takes, you know, again, crowding out your life with more things than just the focus on your body. So adding in, you know, maybe more, maybe learning new skills online, connection with friends, whatever, because the reason that we want to look skinny, look perfect, have the perfect body is that we feel connected and loved and worthy. And so if we can kind of just jump the middle part of trying to lose weight and trying to look a certain way and just skip to the connection with the family so that we feel loved and feel good enough, all those things, then we don't have to go through this horrible restriction dieting everything. That's yes. not actually what we want. We just want to feel connected and loved to those around us. Yes, exactly. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing tips. I love all of them. I love them all. With the fitting clothes, I actually have like a range 
of different trousers. Like right now I'm wearing my really baggy loose ones that still look kind of stylish and cute, like they're baby blue, mm. but they're the ones where I'm just maybe a bit more bloated or a bit heavier at that time of the month or whatever it is. And I just still want to feel good on myself and not have to try to squeeze into these skinny jeans or something. Mm-hmm. So Such it's so good, good to have just clothes that you feel good in. It's a game yeah. changer. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, I feel like on that topic of body love kind of links us over to just self-love in general, mm-hmm. which I think is obviously so important in this food and body space. How do you feel like we can start to practice that in our daily life? Mm. Self-love is such an interesting topic for me because it's one that I've struggled with so much my entire life. I thought that loving myself was reserved for achieving the perfect body, getting the perfect career, having the perfect partner, whatever that looks like. I thought it was, I had to wait to get to point B in order to love myself and that I could only love myself through shaming myself to get to the point where I could love myself, (laughs) if that makes sense. Um, And so for me, self-love it really started by stopping the pleasure deprivation. So, so many women I work with, they deprive themselves pleasure. Like I said, you know, they're waiting to get to point B to feel worthy of it. Well, if we start to slowly ingrain those little moments now, and again, it doesn't have to be the big, like, you know, the bubble bath and the massage, like, no, no, no. That can literally be like, two minutes in the morning, even just like sitting down and journaling, Mm -hmm. or it could be um, using your massage gun at night. Or like one of my favorite things to do is take myself on dates. Like literally I block out, you know, either one night, it used to be one night a week, but now it's like a little less time. So I usually do maybe bi-weekly. Um, and I'll whether it be take myself to a restaurant or even to just be at home, but I schedule it. I'm like, what am I going to do? You know, it's going to be a face mask or it's going to be this kind of dinner, whatever that looks like. And through intentionally taking that time, it proved to myself that I was worthy of taking that time. Mm-hmm. It's almost like I had to do the action to get the belief of I yeah. was worthy versus believing I was worthy and then having the actions follow. Mm-hmm. So just intentionally adding in these like little moments of pleasure again that could even be like sitting down with a cup of coffee in the morning and like having a little cookie or whatever but knowing you're worthy of that pleasure and just kind of allowing yourself to dig into that Mm -hmm. totally agree so often action precedes belief and I see it all the time with the food space as well you, you don't believe at the start that you can trust yourself around those foods or that you can stop binging. Sometimes you've just kind of got to like, whether it's in a bit of a forceful way, like give yourself a kick up the ass or just literally to do it. That sometimes just needs to come first before you believe. Yeah. Sure. And it's challenge as well, because for me, it was so much about the negative thoughts that I thought I needed to have in order to move me forward in my life. But realizing that when I'd shame myself and tell myself I wasn't good enough, I wasn't worthy it made me feel like I'm like, I was less than like, I wasn't good enough, all those things. Um, and then that would just basically result in me going to self-soothing behaviors, like the binging or the emotional eating, or the just lying on my bed, eating food, watching Netflix. Um, and then that kind of just proved myself right of feeling unworthy and feeling not good enough versus the flip side of that, which would be, you know, if I start to treat myself with self-love, more positive self-talk, then my actions are going to start to, again, have that positive spiral effect of Mm -hmm. doing things of self-love and feeling good about myself. So it's like, I'll say, um, 
negative thoughts produce negative actions and positive thoughts produce positive actions. So that can be a really easy way to think about self-love. It's like, how, what action do I want to be taking? What's actually going to serve me? Positive mm-hmm. or negative? Knowing that positive versus positive, negative versus negative. That can be a good little guidepost moving forward. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I'm curious to hear then what, what does your morning routine look like at the moment? Yes. So my morning routine right now looks like, well, I have my phone across the room because I was notorious for scrolling up my phone late into the night, which is not good for you. Um, It's not a great way as well to start your day by scrolling on your phone, Um, puts you into a state of stress. Your cortisol Mm. stress hormone is highest first thing in the morning. Um, So the more things you can do to not just continue to jack that stress level up, the better. Um, so phone across the room, turn off the alarm. Uh, and then from there, I'm usually going into 10 minutes of just like yoga stretching. I have like a little area in my room mm-hmm. uh, and then 10 minutes of meditation uh, or breath work and then 10 minutes of journaling with my coffee. So that's my little morning routine that I have for myself. It's about 30 minutes long and it just kind of sets me up for my day and yeah, it makes me feel really good. I love that. It sounds super Mm. chill. What's your meditation style like? Or do you do guided ones or just by yourself? I I switch it around. I'm someone who used to be absolutely terrible meditation, as in like I hated it so much because I couldn't sit with myself. I was so much anxiety. You know, when I was struggling with binging and purging, I would literally just pass out from exhaustion. Like I wouldn't Mm -hmm. even get to bed. I would just crumble to the floor because I was so nutrient deprived. Um, and so meditation was such a joke to me <laughs> and so I'm even like I'm uh, have an audible membership so right now there's like mm-hmm. a 21 day you know meditation guide thing that I'm doing like one a day so I've also used the insight timer I've done different breathing modalities mm-hmm. I switch it up and I keep it exciting because I think part of meditation for me was that I thought it was this like boring thing mm-hmm. so when I'm always switching up who I'm listening to or the techniques or maybe doing like a kundalini yoga like the breathing it keeps it just kind of fun exciting for me so awesome well this is the coolest chat I learned so much I bet everyone learned so much so many good tips where can people find you yeah so I hang out on Instagram the most that's Victoria Evans official. So if you're listening to this, definitely shoot me a DM. And if you were looking for some more, um, those social media accounts, as I was talking about before, like, you know, body acceptance, positive, cellulite, positive, all those, just shoot me a message. And I have a big list that I can send you um, that you can add to your social media feed. Um, also my website, www.victoriaevansofficial.com. And there's my coaching programs. Um, I have a body confidence course, one-on-one coaching and a couple other things. So those are my two main places. Um, and then my podcast, Weighing and Unhappy, which you were a guest on. Super excited for that to release. And I think that's about it. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being here, for spending the time and enlightening all of us so much. Thank you so much. And that's the scoop for today. I hope you enjoyed the episode and learned something new that you can start applying to your life. If you took something from this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could share it with someone in your life, change someone's day, change their mood or even their life, be that person. I know I love it when my sister sends me podcast episodes. It just shows me that she's really thinking of me and wants to help me elevate my life alongside her. As always, feel free to DM me on Instagram at at freewithbreed. 
I'm always open to feedback. So let me know what you want me to speak about, what you love, what you want less of. This podcast is for you after all. Last but not least, here's how to win a one hour, one to one session with me. Enter my monthly draw by sharing this episode or any of the episodes you've enjoyed, whether it's on your stories or on a post, and just make sure to tag me at Free With Breed. Simple as that. Okay, that's it from me. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I will see you next time.